This is the Cruise Cast. <laughs> Cut all this out, but I was so worried that after I finished my solo episode that uh, I fucked up and didn't record properly. Because, like, obviously I, ha- I would have had no idea if I'd done it right. And I just, like, was like, all right, I'm going to get this out of the way. Recorded everything and then just went through it. And then I- after I was done, got my cry out of the way. And I was like, okay, wait, yeah, I should download this, make sure it works, download it. I'm like, oh, God. And Roxy looks at me. She's like, you- you're sure you got the settings right? Right? <laughs> oh, like, Roxy, oh, don't do that. I, you cannot I got put so the worried. And then that. I... It- it was all fine, but it was like really funny. But anyway. Yeah. Well, actually, you know what? Like, that's a good place to start because you know what? Like, um, obviously, that was your first episode by yourself. And I, f- and you know, like, I was really looking forward to the fact that you were going to get to do uh, your first episode. Uh, whether that, I, I wasn't, I, I had no idea what you were going to do for it. I didn't know if there was going to be like guests. Me or if there was going to be uh, notes what, or like, like what kind of notes you're how the format was going to go. Um, and then obviously I listened to it, um, and, um, I, I'm sad I couldn't be there, not just because of the fact that, you know, um, obviously I love doing the show every week, but because, uh, you know, that, the, the, what you went through and what you talked about is, like, so heartfelt and so close to home and important, and I'm sad I couldn't be there for that conversation, but, uh, hey, you've, you, you did an incredible job. Thank you. Uh, given the circumstances and everything and everybody who we've heard from from the last few days has said yeah. nothing but wonderful things about how how well you handled that and how well you talked about it, which is great. Yeah, and that was great. Yeah, the one advice I was going to give you before the show, because uh, seeing how you'd never hosted before, was, you know, like, make it your own. Like, it, if there's something you want to do, if there's something that you are <laughs> not, that you maybe you wouldn't ha- feel like you are able to do when I'm here or something or rather what have you. Just make it your own and try it because you never know. You might be great. It might turn out great. And I'm yeah. glad that you – I am glad that you used the time that you had to do the solo show uh, to use it and you used it well. You used it very well. And I'm, I'm proud of you, man. You did an incredible job. Cheers. Thanks. Yeah, like I – I had no idea what I was going to do heading into the weekend because obviously like the news hit and it was kind of like, that's all I, that's like literally all I could ever think about for like, I mean, it still is like the only thing that's kind of been like echoing around my brain for the last seven days now or eight days now since the news dropped. So I was coming into recording on Tuesday and like, (laughs) I hope I always really like say these things. I'm like, I really hope my bosses do not listen to this because I probably am like the anti-employee of the year when I'm like, I spent most of my work day putting down notes for what I wanted to talk about (laughs) and uh, got on a roll for how I wanted to try and blend how the news from last Thursday tied in with current hockey events. And I spent most of my day on Tuesday doing that, even though I had a really busy day at work. So I managed to do both. So I don't know if that maybe elevates me from the anti-employee of the year to just like an employee. But anyways, thank you for your kind words. And thanks to everyone who listens to this program, who shared uh, last uh, Tuesday or Wednesday's episode means a lot. Um, Obviously very personal subject. I, for one, am glad you weren't there though, because after I finished recording, I bawled my eyes out because I had finally just got like, all of the verbal diarrhea of every frustration I'd had over the past few days out. And if you were there the entire time, 
after any point I'd make, I'd probably would have wanted to cry and it would have taken five hours to record. So it's probably yes. for the best that was actually a solo episode. So it was kind of... And honestly, I would have been okay with that because you know what? Yes. It's, it, it is, it, and this kind of goes back to just like the whole, there's a stereo, the stereotype of, you know, oh, men, men don't cry kind of thing, right? Like where you feel awkward yeah. crying in front of one of your bros, I guess, right? But like, honestly, no, crying's natural. You let it out. It's important. It's a, it's a, it's an important part of um, of emotion and being and being human. That's that's yeah. it, it. That's what it is. It's all about that. So for, I fortunately for me, <laughs> fortunately for me, um, I got a, I got away from those embarrassment of crying in front of my bros and in front of fellow men uh, <laughs> in like my peak high school me. years yeah. because this is this just is a testament to what an athlete I am. Oh, is uh, my first game back in soccer because I took a year off because I had um, like knee issues. So I took a year off, came back, made my my brilliant debut back as a goalkeeper, actually. Hey, I forgot. Oh, I hey. So this, so this is actually the crease cast. It this is kind of a crease cast, even ways. though. Hell yes. It's a little different. Hell but, yes. But, no, it totally counts. I was a goalie in soccer, too, for like two minutes. Uh, so yeah. Everything's coming together. Yeah. So I went to go retrieve a ball. I was uh, returning to the field with it. Went to go take the uh, the goalie kick. As I was running back to the field, I had managed to trip over my own feet, fell on my shoulder, dislocated it, and broke my collarbone. And, oh, uh, no. Hit the goalie kick. Felt something was wrong. And then I went like this. Like I lifted my el- my both my arms up because it felt weird. And I heard it go pop back into place oh, and all no. of a sudden all the shooting pain came to me and i realized i had oh, to take my jer- God, because no. my view this was uh this was like house league soccer so it was like the shit of shit so you didn't have like multiple jerseys to go around so i had to take the goalie jersey off and give it to my replacement as i balled my eyes off mostly because, <laughs> like not really because of the pain but just like embarrassment that like uh, like i'm finally back in soccer and i get taken out by myself yeah. in the most embarrassing way and uh in fact my uh my uh, future wife was there at the game with uh, a couple other friends so it was just like everyone we knew because it was a it was like a it's a house league so like all our friends were on the team like we were shit we won zero games in three Woo! years Zero oh games. God. You won I think zero we tied once. God, but that's that's but that's in like tough. a that's, that's in like hard. a twenty-two game <laughs> season or whatever, winning zero times out of sixty-six games is like fucking impossible. impossible. That's, that's that's like honestly kind of impressive bad. that you went like, we that you were the, that the, that you were that lousy. You're the we Cleveland like the Detroit Browns. Red Wings. Yeah, yeah. You're the Cle- you're the Cleveland Browns for like three years. Um, yeah, we were awful. Oh man. Yeah, I had so, one year. Kind of I had one year where, and you know what? Like you mentioned the house jerseys and stuff like that. I remember that, like, because that was the thing in hockey for us too. Weirdly, I think that's a Canadian thing. In particular, interestingly enough, because all the teams I ever had here, we bought the jerseys. But like in mm-hmm. uh, house league hockey, yeah, uh, our jerseys were a team set. We had a team set. Um, uh, of which when we left, when we left and moved to where I am now, which is California right now. Yeah. Um, uh, my mom may or may not have stolen the jersey that I wore yeah, so I, I could hang it on my wall and I still have it. 
Hell yeah. uh, my my old Vancouver Spirit jersey. Uh, if Rob Williams is listening, I know he used to coach the the VMHA. Uh, uh, do Ooh. I need to take that back? I'm sorry. Yeah, um, sorry, I'll give you um, the fourteen dollars back. My bad. Yeah, and one of those years, uh, we had a team that was so bad. Uh, we only won one. And keep in mind, Vancouver hockey, you play about two games a weekend, including mm-hmm. like sometimes a doubleheader on on like so you'll play like four games in one weekend. Um, we lost every game except for one that year. And that was partially because, (laughs) and that was partially because we did not have a proper goalie at the time. Although I ended up being the the proper goalie by the end of the year because I'd already wanted to be goalie. Um, uh, and then, so, and that year we were so bad that I played half, about half the year as a goalie and half the season as a forward. And I believe I led our team in goals. I had the most oh. goals on the team. I had multiple multi-goal games and I was really proud of myself that year. I think I had like, I think I finished with like nine goals and I was thrilled about that. Like that our, was Our team did scoring. not score. Our team like maybe, I think. But that's there soccer. Was a, like they, you don't like, when it's nil soccer, nil you know, is a score. common score. Yeah. Nil, but nil even in not. house league, like you should accidentally score. And right. our team mm-hmm. did not score. Like we had. <laughs> For whatever reason, like our coach like didn't really quite get that you needed like people who could kick the ball like as your forwards, and he just had the guys that could run really fast, and they could not kick to save their lives. Our defense had the most goals, and I think at the end of the year we totaled like four or five. <laughs> like, like I'm not kidding. Incredible. We were honestly, one of the worst soccer teams over like a three to four year span. We were so so fucking bad that poor coach who invested so much time in like training and i'm using the most asterisk possible on that because we were so bad and then and then uh and then you and then they joined the super league and they went they went super yeah we won the champions league it was really well we won champions league i i don't watch enough soccer i'm sure all of the soccer people we know are yelling at us for not knowing enough about soccer stop calling it soccer yeah, f- yeah, football. My uh, my Scottish relatives, I'm sure, are, th- are, are just well, We should talk about. Them. We should actually talk about that on like on on an off the post. That would be fun. Like uh, like <laughs> like heritage of like sports from like where like where our families are from and stuff like that. Because literally, all of my family comes from like soccer countries. Like hockey is not mm. a thing in any of those countries. I was pretty much the first person to really be into hockey in my family. And I guess that we should probably transition yeah. to that. Because that's probably of, what they want to know. Yeah. After <laughs> ten and a half minutes of uh, complete nonsense and <laughs> our failed soccer careers, uh, we're here to talk about some uh, interesting news over the past couple of days. Obviously, Lachlan makes his grand return to the crease cast. He's uh, in California, unfortunately subjected to NBC broadcasts. I, I tweeted Jonas. this the other day. I could not believe that Mike Babcock was on a fucking broadcast. Had you not heard of that? No, Had well, you like, not heard I, that was a thing? I think I remember like a while ago, they were like, Mike Babcock's going to be joining like the NBC broadcast. And I was like, oh, this is going to be for next regular season or something. I didn't mm-hmm. realize it was going to be for the playoffs this year in the next like couple weeks. And I don't know, I guess I had the game on mute, so I didn't notice. But then all of a sudden, like, it's like an intermission. I looked over and it's just like Mike Babcock and his like smiling face. And I'm like, really? Well, uh, after every, you know, every story about like abuse that's coming out, like with like the Chicago Blackhawks, like you're seriously sticking with Mike Babcock as like your on air analyst. Are you kidding? 
Yeah. Oh. I, 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 I mean, as soon as I heard it, I'm like, I'm like, well, so here's the thing. Again, if you've watched NBC as long as uh, I haven't got, well, should I say watched rather than got subjected to yeah, uh, yeah. as a Canadian living in the States? Uh, it was very rare that you got any uh, games uh, that weren't uh, that weren't NBC broadcasts. Uh, especially because the Sharks down here, their uh, their uh, their local net network is Comcast uh, Sports or NBC Sports now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I've I've been watching. You know, I get to watch the NBC broadcasts again uh, more regularly. They were showing them in in Canada this year because of the playoffs and everything, the format and not being able to send Canadian broadcasters down there. Because normally they do, right? Like, because normally they have Canadian broadcasters on hand. I think for. I think at least the majority of the series that are in the States, uh, right. when under normal circumstances, this is they can't, so NBC's doing them all. Uh, but, like, now getting to really watch it again has been very interesting after, like, I think Drancer's talked about it multiple times this year, that this year, the Hockey Night in Canada broadcasts have been actually pretty good, as opposed yeah. to, like, some years that they've been really hit or miss. There have yeah. been some weird moments, like, I think, like, especially lately, Ron McLean's had a few iffy uh, sort of situations his way, but, like... Other, but overall, the broadcasts themselves have been very good. Yeah. And then you go to, yeah, hearing Mike Babcock going like, well, uh, you know, they're going to take the opportunity to, <laughs> like, to uh, you know, to work hard. And like all of those very Mike Babcock things. His Babcockisms, yeah. Babcockisms. I'm just like, first of all, he's not charismatic. Why on earth is he on TV? Like even like no. putting aside all the obvious reasons why... Mike Babcock should probably not be on an NHL broadcast. <laughs> yeah. He's not even really charismatic. Like, why is he on no. there? Like, I don't get them. And for Someone years, owed him like, a favor. Literally, for years, they have been subjecting American hockey fans to, like, Mike Milbury, uh, yeah. Keith Jones, um, you know, like, Anson Carter's very good. I'll give him that. Anson <laughs> yeah. Carter's a good... Anson Carter's very good. He's got personality. Uh, Catherine Tappan is very is good as well. She's she knows what she's talking about. Um, you know, and they sometimes bring on like the TSN people, like uh, Bob McKenzie and Darren Drager, sometimes who do their who you know are much more recognizable and much more you know capable at the job sort of thing. Right. It's just really frustrating when you've spent ten years watching these broadcasts uh, get butchered by like these guys, particularly. Uh, you know, we've been we've been talking about the Canucks, uh, like we've been rounding through like the tenth anniversary of the twenty eleven series of uh, the twenty eleven Cup run and everything, right? That entire playoffs, I am like regularly scarred from because of like having to hear over the course of the entire playoffs, like Keith Jones literally just dumping on Luongo like the entire time for a- anything, never giving him credit for what it for what he was doing for how well he did in those playoffs. Uh, Mike Milbury, not obviously just being Mike Milbury, like it, and the broadcast themselves as once you, once they got into the finals, being super pro Bruins to like yeah. a shocking degree. It was it was embarrassing. Like it was just an embarrassing broadcast. And now you come back, and uh, I'm realizing, oh hey, look, that commercial is bit was on the last time I lived here. This is, and it's been about three years. So. Hey, what the hell's going on here? How are you not changing commercial? How are the commercials this still the same? Like this, it's, it's, yeah, bugs the mind. It doesn't need to be, I don't need to spend this much time on it. I'm sorry I have, but it's just, it's just like, when it's uh, this bad, you have to talk about it. I I already, 
Yeah, I I will say I do get uh I could potentially get the Road to the the Cup series again now that I'm in oh, ESPN ooh. Plus territory again. Because uh, I did, I love like DSP. The Road Plus. to the Cup was always awesome. Yeah, this is. I, I'm looking forward. Maybe I'll have to talk about it on like uh, on on one of our shows later on when I get to watching it. But yeah, I mean the the more important road nowadays though is not the Road to the Cup. It's the uh, Road to the ninth overall pick in the draft. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So the Canucks got ninth overall in the yeah. lottery. They didn't move up, but they didn't draft move down. Bear- Draft largely remained the exact same as their odds said they think, would. Did it? Did it even move? Did uh, it even Seattle oh, moved up right. a second, and right. uh, Anaheim dropped a three. That's it. Honestly, good for Seattle. Like, good yeah. for them that they're going to cool. get a top a top three pick. I think Vegas. The rules were different, right? I don't think Vegas could get first overall if they had won. I yeah, think there was some I can't like that worked. Could, I believe the rule was the Knights could only select as high as fourth. So I think. Uh, good. I believe so. Good for them for changing that. To yeah, a, I believe yeah. it was a compensatory compensatory move because of the way they changed the rules with uh, how you can protect players or like whatever they did to make it so that uh, Seattle couldn't hold everyone hostage like Vegas did. So I think it's the same rules, isn't it? It's the same expansion rules as last time. I don't think there's any any change here. Didn't they I, change something about like the? eligible players or something or am maybe i maybe they insane? maybe they did i don't know we'll have to see maybe they yeah. changed something about like the way like what the difference is between like a no move and a no trade or something maybe. um but either way i mean the fact that the canucks didn't drop in the in the draft order that's kind yeah. of cause Yay. for celebration is it not uh i, I don't know what do yeah. you think infinity gauntlet goes to uh <laughs> To, Infinity to for the for the lottery balls that didn't move. Well yeah, done. Yeah. <laughs> sure, why not? Let's give it to them. Yeah, they, um, did, they did it. They they yeah. kept they kept uh, Canucks fans a bit sane or more sane than usual. I mean, it would have been really funny if they had dropped a spot and no one else changed. Frankly, but it's like in a year like this impo- like yeah somehow in a year the most this impossible. bizarre yeah like it doesn't even matter because the the draft, like as most people said, it's like it's Owen Power at number one. Then everybody, or there's eight other players who are completely interchangeable. No clue who goes where. It's just about like which teams like which guy. And then there's everybody else. So it's like, even if like the Canucks won this draft somehow, like they got first overall, like I don't even know if they'd be happy with it because it's like, of course, of course, like, it's this the is draft the, one with the most uncertainty. It, right? yeah, 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 of course. Which, yeah. Would have been more Canucks than not moving at all, which is a bit a bit lame for Team Chaos over here at Team Creasecast. Yeah, I will say this: uh, it's very on brand for Buffalo that they won. Oh <laughs> that God. they won in a very in a kind of an awkward year to get the first overall pick, and most likely somehow, some way, we'll find a way to ruin it. They'll just they just will. Like that's yeah. just it's just a guarantee that they will find some way to mess this up the way that they always do in that very Buffalo way. It's well, they have be, to. Uh, I, uh, yeah. I liked, um, I think it was Jay Fresh, who's usually like the, uh, the stats guy who compiles stats from like Evolving Hockey. Uh, uh, who else? From Natural Trick and Mika Blake McCurdy. 
and he like puts them all together in those like great charts that just show like a player's value and he's like all right here's why or here's the draft order and it was like a complete shit show it was like buffalo took like a goalie first overall and everyone got like really mad at him they're like you don't know what the fuck you're talking about like are you kidding me and then he came out today and was like i'm just I'm just fucking around. I I think I may have ruined my credibility with what was supposed like what I thought was intentionally a really bad joke about the draft order. And uh, I gotta say, I, I appreciate that because like, yeah. I mean, it would be very on brand for Buffalo to be like, Oh, we don't have a goaltender. Let's draft a goaltender first overall. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What, Spencer Knight's hey, goal- working out for Florida. He's not hey. first overall, but you know, yeah, he went. Yeah, I mean, the last goalie to go first overall uh, would have been, or was it Rick DiPietro who went first? No, Flurry wasn't it? You're, you're. I think you're right. You know what? You're right because yeah. Flurry definitely came just before the the lockout, whereas DiPietro was a little bit earlier because, yeah. uh, he, of course, Mike Milbury, who was the GM of the Islanders at the time, traded Luongo to the Panthers. Uh, after drafting him fourth overall not that long before uh, in a move that really didn't work out for them uh, really worked out for the Canucks but it were it did, uh, and the Panthers as well but uh, yeah. did not work out for the Islanders uh, poor Rick DiPietro um, and uh, yeah flurry but you know it's like what are you gonna do this draft is so weird it could eh, yeah. it might it might as well just take the goalie or the the, the zamboni driver or something can we draft a gm in this I, uh, in this draft is that allowed um because yeah obviously I mean you and i like don't really know too much about the draft we'll i don't know we'll probably reach out to some people to try and get someone on the show who actually knows what they're uh, talking about but that'd be this really is good. my we should. this is my thoughts on the draft in general for the from the canucks perspective if their guy, the guy they want at nine isn't available and it's just taking like a best pick available. I would look at dropping back in the draft and trying to pick up another pick because yes. they, they need help like very badly. So if, um, if you know, some teams like, Hey, we'll give you 16th overall and a third round pick plus, you know, third pair defenseman X for ninth overall. They have to jump on that. And I think, that's, certain, I think that's a great way to try to maximize the value that they're currently sitting on with the top 10 pick. To a certain extent, they've almost gotten to a point where they need quantity over quality a little bit. Yeah. Like, and in this particular draft, that might not be like, you might not be choosing between that necessarily because of how, how weird the scouting is and everything this year. Like we've heard multiple times before that, you know, guys who would normally be in the first round, you might not see go into yeah. like the fourth or fifth just because have people have not been able to do the scouting that they normally would like to be able to do. So mm-hmm. yeah, if this is if there is any year to kind of go, okay, we're we don't necessarily need the highest pick possible. Um, let's try trading down and just accumulating as many picks from there as possible. Yeah. That might honestly be in your best interest. Like you could yeah. end up because you could end up if your scouting department does its job the way it's supposed to. Yeah, you could end up with a lot of uh of like hidden gems that you wouldn't get in a nor have absolutely no chance of getting in a normal year. So yeah, yeah why not look for that? I think <clears throat> who's the interest right now? I think it's uh someone Cam Robinson has been talking about quite a bit. Mason Mason McTavish. Uh, 
Mason McTavish is the one mm-hmm. that uh, I believe they're bringing up. And then, of course, people want to see Luke Hughes go to the yeah. Canucks because he's uh, Quinn's brother. Mm-hmm. Um, there are options out there. Again, yeah, they're they're in a situation where they shouldn't necessarily be drafting at all, even from like, well, what do we need? Because any guy that's coming in is not going to be ready for at least a couple years. So just take what's available. Forward, defenseman, yes, they need defensive help right now, but they're not getting that immediately. So just go for the best player. Go for the best player available that you like. And if they're not there, then try and accumulate as many picks as you can and just get as many tickets for the lottery as you can, yeah. you know, for the for the try prospect the lottery, approach. right? Yeah. Some, yeah if, there's... if you can move down in every single round and pick up extra picks for doing so, then fuck Do yeah, it. go for it. Yeah. Unless there is someone you absolutely like that you yeah. are need that pick right away to get because you think someone's going to beat you to it, uh, mm-hmm. then keep that one and go for it. Like that's, yeah. and that's kind of the, the strategy that I think they've lost at some points where they just have not been able to really look at it that way. And have just sometimes waited, maybe taken a guy a little early that they probably could have waited and got a little bit later had they made a trade. They've done that before and this year. Yeah. There's no reason not to just go for it. Yeah. Um, so then that's pretty much it for Canucks news. There's yeah. really not a whole lot going on in the Canucks world. I think they, I mean, obviously they're basically waiting for the playoffs to shake out. Uh, they might yeah. try and sign a couple more players. They've already signed uh, Pud Colson and Carl Plashik. But other than that, you're going to see like a couple more ELCs maybe handed out if they see fit. Uh, but where there hasn't been any kind of rumors from anyone else in the prospect scouting community. So yes. it's probably going to be it until the expansion draft and then until the uh, actual draft itself. Yes, which is why I have brought in a new segment today. I've, uh, <laughs> I, if, you've seen the, if you've seen the sheet, Cody, uh, <laughs> I have brought in a segment because, yeah, you're right. Like there will be probably no Canucks news for a little bit. So we kind of, I don't want to say we need to make some up, but it's more of the, <laughs> because that's not our jobs. We Speculation. Do not make up news. Speculation. <laughs> so, and for that specific reason, I'm calling this segment uh, into the Canuckverse, uh, like into the Spiderverse. It's this idea of, okay, let's say oh, there's a- Oh, I just a, got that. Yeah. It's like an alternate unit, alternate universe where maybe this shakes out sort of thing, which, and maybe this could, and we're talking about it specifically on the idea of like, hey, this is maybe something- that could happen if mm-hmm. everything went perfectly. Let's kind of just, uh, let's discuss it a little bit, just because I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the Leafs are out of the playoffs. I am very sad I was not able to come on the show to talk about that on Tuesday as well. Yeah. Um, um, just a absolute meme series, meme ending, terrific. Uh, just Pure comedy. Pure comedy and every level. Um, including the amount of people who, you know, think the Leafs need to already blow it up. Uh, that's a little bit bonkers. Like, good, like I understand, like, I will say I understand from a certain aspect of like the idea of like worrying maybe that you've kind of poisoned the well in the sense of now these guys only know nothing but like playoff failure over and over and over again and kind of choking at the wrong time. Like yeah. sometimes that is a little bit hard to recover from as a whole unit. Um, but they shouldn't panic. Like they absolutely should not go in this weird on this weird. Okay, we're gonna trade Marner and Matthews and, and, and Nylander. We're gonna trade Nylander first because he was terrible, even though he was their best player. He was their best player. Um, 
yeah, their best, their best forward best. at least. Exactly. Yeah, he was their best. He was their best forward. Their best defenseman was Morgan Riley. Um, and the interesting thing about Morgan Riley is that he is coming up with the last year of his contract. He does not. He uh, and the Leafs have cap crunch, like a huge cap crunch coming up. And there's already a lot of discussion in Toronto that they might not be able to hang on to him, that they might have to move him this offseason to make room because they just don't have a lot. They have a lot of guys whose contracts they are up and they kind of need to deal with. At the very least, they probably won't be able to afford him next year when he's a UFA. When he's a UFA. Yeah. So the question becomes, well, are they going to trade him now to kind of get the return on him or are they go- because they're going to make the playoffs regardless. That's not they're not a they're not a we'll wait until the trade deadline sort of situation. So do they trade him now to recoup assets or do they try and go for it one more year with him, with him on the team? And I wanted to talk about the idea of Morgan Riley potentially coming to the Canucks specifically because he's a Vancouver kid. He's could be very, he could be interested in coming to the team. And he, as far as his cap is concerned, it's only $5 million right now. So, which is from a general standpoint is incredibly cheap for what he's able to do for what his Mm -hmm. capabilities are. So I wanted to ask the question today of what do you think, what would it, what would a package, an off season trade package include for the Canucks to get Morgan Riley from Toronto in a deal that makes kind of sense for both teams? Like what would that kind of, whether that's insanity or not, what would it, what would it, what would it have to shake up to? If you, do you think if you're the, the, the Leafs and the Canucks, uh, it would be, your ninth overall pick is is a starting point. Then, mm-hmm. then you're throwing in Jack Rathbone. You're sh- you're also probably taking back more cap from Toronto as well because they're gonna be like, you guys don't have anything of value that we want. So why don't you help us out and then we'll consider it. Because realistically speaking, all the players like the Canucks have that you would be using in deals are too expensive. Like, like the Leafs don't want Tyler Mott at 1.275 or whatever it is because they can't afford that. They need guys that are a million or less. So Mm -hmm. if you're from the Leafs, if you're Lawrence Gilman, you're like, okay, give me something that I can work with. Why don't you trade me? uh, Why don't you give me Michael Furland so I can put him on my books as LTIR and and capture that? Um, Then we're talking a bit. Uh, but you're still going to have to take Morgan Riley and you're going to have to take, I don't know, Pierre Engvall or something, right? Or take, like, I don't even know. That's the thing is like most of Toronto's guys right now are expiring. So they don't, they need guys that are cheap. Canucks do not have anyone that is, that is cheap super that would be useful cheap. to them. That's yeah, super, exactly. like, like a super, super cheap. good not, bargain. Yeah, because Tyler Mott is cheap relatively. Ty- but Tyler Mott's an is, interesting idea. They need cheap, cheap, real. Cheap. Tyler Mott's an. I like. You know what? Here's the thing. As much as I love Tyler Mott, like if okay, let's say the Leafs want like, I would not like if I'm the Leafs. Is he not an upgrade on say like Alex Galchenyuk in your bottom six? Is he not an upgrade on have like you mentioned Pierre Engvall or you know they just traded a second rounder for Nick Foligno? Like is he not? Um, is he not kind of a 
more I don't think more so. capable like more I, capable of kind of being that kind of a cheaper option a safe option in your bottom it, four who contributes regularly here's like, the thing some of those guys at least some of them uh i think tyler mott is good on the canucks because he plays with guys who don't do anything so he's going to look very good in comparison when he's sitting on a line with brandon sutter or jay beagle and he's the only guy scoring goals you put him on the leafs and he doesn't score goals because he's you know being pigeonholed into the fourth line with like adam brooks and you know 48 year old patrick marlowe who comes back on a league minimum deal but he's not going to be scoring on a leafs team because he's not that good he just looks good on the canucks because like wasn't Jimmy see better on the Leafs than he was on the Canucks? Like, didn't he have better number? Wasn't he putting up better numbers on I, that unit than he was? Because I feel like they're relatively that's pretty good about bringing guys up and having guys punch a little bit above their weight necessarily. Ilya Mikheyev being a bit of an exception here, he has not done as well. He has not looked as good. He is right. Good. So if you're the Leafs, though. maybe you're like, we'll trade you Mikheyev or whatever. But he has no PK utility to you, and he doesn't really score. And it's just like a marginal upgrade for the Leafs only. So yeah. they're the ones that benefit, right? The, the, so the like one you, thing... Oh, sorry, the one, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, the one thing you mentioned that I do also find interesting as well is that, again, because the Leafs are so catstrapped, the one thing that we have been talking about for a while, like, well, I say we, like, the, the general we, uh, lots of podcasts, lots of shows, lots of people have been talking about, is that the Canucks are in a position where the Seattle expansion draft, they could... Uh, they could benefit from other teams that are cap strapped. Toronto is one of them. Like, do you, is there a situation where, say, like they need to protect more forwards than they'd like? Uh, um, where that you might say, okay, we'll take Riley and we'll also, we'll take Riley off your hands. And then we also take somebody else. Like, there's someone that they just don't want to, that they don't want to lose, say, in the expansion draft, that they just want to, make sure that they don't just get nothing out of like where that sort of a situation pops I, up for them. I don't know if this is, um, I don't know if this is like legal in the current construct of the CBA or like the expansion draft rules, but I'm genuinely curious if a team like the Leafs could be like, okay, we want to protect um, like Zach Hyman, but we can't when we re-sign them, right? We can't, we can't protect them because we ha- we're obligated to, su- to protect all these guys with no move clauses on our decor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm oh, wondering, wow, yeah, they have a lot, they have a lot, like they're giving Jim Benning a run when it comes to no movement clauses. But if I'm like, I don't know if this is possible. So like, I'm just probably speaking nonsense, but wouldn't you be like, okay, Vancouver Canucks, you have no one worth protecting. Like you have an open slot basically on your forward group. Can we trade you Zach Hyman? You hold him through the expansion draft and through the summer for a fourth round pick and future considerations. At the end of summer, you return him to us and we'll give you, and that fourth becomes a third round pick. Like, mm. can they do that? I, I don't know, but like, I would, probably could advertise it, right? I don't see. I. I imagine if it's one of those pre, I feel like if it's premeditated, then no. Like if it, it, it I feel but like there's it's nothing in one the of those rules things. against it. I feel like it's one of the hmm, because I don't know if that would be considered like 
I don't know. I'd have to look at the CBA. We'd have to. We'd have to have. We'd have to ask like. Uh, I'll ask Patrick uh, my, Johnson because he I, would know this stuff. Patrick my, Johnson's my, like a, my, an encyclopedia of this kind of shit. Yeah, my friend is, and I have a friend of mine. She just graduated from BCIT for HR, and she loved reading the. She actually <laughs> read the NHL uh, CBA, uh, CBA uh, yeah. because she actually found it fascinating, and she was interested to see what it's like. Okay, and I'm sure she could tell tell me as well, tell us as well. But yeah. like. Um, I, I, I almost, I almost imagine that it's one of those, if it act, if it accidentally shook up, shook out that way, it would be okay. But it feels like almost like a, yeah, it almost feels like if it's like, say if there was ever any, it could be seen as tampering or like some sort of like, um, like some sort of like someone could file a charge on that one. If they think there was something fishy, um, like, yeah, Seattle could be like, but wouldn't you rather have, would would you not rather have Zach Hyman than the then the third overall pick, though, is like, or the third. Yeah, of course, rounder, but like they can't afford it, right? Like, right. so this from from the Canucks perspective, especially if like, uh, if you've heard the UFA terms that or the rumors of how much Zach Hyman yeah. wants, like, well, yeah, they can afford five million dollars. Yeah, and he turned oh it down. God. Like that's unreal. But anyway, or that, so he, yeah, <laughs> I, apparently that's not true. But like, yeah, even so, paying him five million is insanity. Yeah. Oh my god. So from the Canucks perspective, say the Leafs sign zach hyman to like a four million dollar deal like they basically give him the tyler Toffoli contract or something and they move they move money out somehow and they're able to retain hyman on like a pretty decent ticket and from the canucks perspective they're like okay we can't afford to shed any of our young guys we really need to keep all our picks let's just offer the ability to protect someone so that they don't lose them to uh seattle for free so for a fourth round pick yeah, and Toronto's in such win now right? mode. They wouldn't want. They wouldn't really want your prospects because they just they want they want yeah. they want pieces that are going to help them now, if, especially if they're trading uh, a Hyman or a Riley or something, right? Yeah, like they're they're they so want, it would make they sense want pieces for now. Yeah, so it would make sense if you're a Vancouver. You're like, well, we can't afford any of your very good players, but hey, we'll we'll protect one for you for uh, like a decent price. I I would because you know you can't trade for them because you can't afford to give up anything that you value at this mm-hmm. moment. And any of the players you do have that you're not protecting are worthless. So, I mean, if it's legal, I am I am absolutely taking credit for this idea. If it's <laughs> illegal, I did not pitch this idea, and it is not my fault if the Canucks get fined for tampering or fast circumvention like, or whatever it is. Fast forward to like September when I'm like when I'm back to looking for another coast because you've been plucked as like a capologist by <laughs> yeah, some yeah. team. Yeah, yeah, it's like so. Uh, so Cody works for the for the for the Minnesota Wild now. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know that. Uh, we'll, you know that commercial. We'll miss him dearly. Yeah. You know sure. that commercial where it's like, um, it's like the taco commercial, and they're like, "Do you want hard taco or soft taco?" And the girls like, "Why not both?" And then they celebrate like, Wah! It's like "Oh that, yeah." Just like, hey guys, why don't you just hold a player for a, a pick and then give them back to him just, at the like, end of summer? Stop being sad. Why don't you? <laughs> Just yeah. stop being sad. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just circumvent the cap. Yeah, how hard can it be? Yeah, like why don't you do that? Um, okay, and then the other qu- and then the other question uh, I wanted to ask because uh, in regards to this um, is regardless of whether or not it does seem like it's very much heading for whether it, that's this summer or next summer that Riley won't be a leaf for much longer because they can't really afford him. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess. And again, 
Riley's from Vancouver. He, uh, there was already, like, the joke, there was already, like, people freaking out because he was wearing a YVR sweater, I guess. Yeah. End of season availability that, oh my god, he's gonna want to trade to the Canucks or something, right? Um, but in reality, he is someone they should target. Like, he's absolutely a type of player that they should be looking at. If it wasn't for the fact that he was, he's a left, another left defenseman rather than a right, a right defenseman, which they need more, I would be, go, I would say, do whatever it takes. This one, I'd say, be, be, take it a little easy. Be conscious about what you're doing because you already have Quinn Hughes. But if he were willing to come to Vancouver, what kind of contract? Like, what's a what's a reasonable price for what he's able to do that you think the Canucks could be could make could that would be worth exploring for them? Well, they can't. But if they did they somehow, like, if, if money just disappeared off their books, like, you would probably yeah. be looking at trying to give him, like, the Shabbat contract. That's something uh, like that. That's Maybe a, like six. That's supposed to like yeah, it's million, like, is it not? It's like, like 7.34 yeah, okay. or something like that. It's some, it's some kind of I weird am, number. But that's, I like, kind of that's the what, idea. Kind of close. Yeah, I imagine that's close to what he's getting. Yeah. Although, and, you know, age being a factor as well. He is 27. He'll be 28 by the time that contract, that next contract yeah. uh, starts. Um, yeah, I mean, you have, yeah, oh yeah, Shabbat is making $8 million. Yeah, Shabbat's making yeah. $8 million. Um, yeah, I imagine that's what he could fetch. He could probably get a little bit more from a really desperate team, uh, if he doesn't care, if it's not oh, so much sure. about winning. He could probably get a I'm sure Vegas is going to be in on him. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm sure Vegas will find a way to, like, trade yeah. every... Hey, there, there's the real, there's the real well, secret. You yeah. play like you want Morgan Riley, but it, you are actually just pushing him to the night so you could get Shea Theodore. That's what the Canucks plan is. This is how I win, right? So this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Vegas is going to trade Robin Lehner and Max Pacioretty to the Canucks in exchange for shit that they can throw the on LTIR. And then with the with like the Erickson and Holtby and Beagle all, and Furland, all four of them are just going to be thrown in LTIR for Vegas so that they can sign uh, <laughs> Morgan Riley to a, to a $12 million contract. And it's going to be this bright, shiny toy for them to play with. They still have a backup, and the Canucks come out smelling like a rose. They've got nothing else. They have they give away 14 draft picks. Uh, they still keep all their prospects. It's going to be the most brilliant play that Jim Van <laughs> has ever thought of. He's already got the relationship with Kelly McCrimmon. Uh, yeah. This is what's going to happen. I'm calling it right now. Oh, my God. Morgan Riley, Riley to the Vegas Golden Knights for was, a bunch of crap. <laughs> part of me almost wonders if he's not high profile enough for Vegas to want him. Because, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He's not, uh, sorry, we only, we only trade for captains, uh, <laughs> for former captains. That's our, that's our rule. Cause like, who Mark Stone, um, uh, Pacioretty, Petrangelo, all captains, all guys who were captains. Like Morgan Riley might not be a list enough for them. <laughs> maybe they'll go for, Bo- maybe they'll go for Bo Horvat. <laughs> oh god please oh please don't oh, uh I, we kind of put that him. in the ethos that's a bad sign uh yeah, let's move on to the let's move on to the next topic because i i i do not want that that quote to resonate and but yeah that was the into ethos. the canuck first mm-hmm. that was into the canuck first maybe we'll do that a little bit more maybe we'll do some other kind of weird contract stuff uh, we should speculate more so we can put things in the ethos and then if we're ever right we can just clip it and be like see yeah, we, knew. we knew it yeah exactly okay yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing that happened 
in the past couple days was Mark Shifley's very, 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 very dangerous hit on Jake Evans at the conclusion of game one of the Winnipeg Jets versus the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, he was suspended four games in a shocking turn of uh, events from the Department of Player Safety where they did something actually kind of reasonable. Uh, in the yeah. following day since, Shifley has said that he was really trying to prevent the goal, which is the most come on, bruh moment yeah. I've ever seen no. in my life. Paul Maurice went to bat for him saying it was a hockey play and he was trying to prevent the goal, which again, eh, come on, he's, bruh. Yeah. But I, he's the yeah. coach. He has to, if he, like, yeah. if he went to the press conference and was like, yeah, it was like, a shitty hit. My he did a bad, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. If there's one thing coaches are always going to do, it's, they're always going, even if, they don't agree with that. Yeah. They're going to back their player because at the very least, it takes the heat off of the player a little bit and more puts it more on them in the yeah. public eye. Yeah. Um, and they want to focus, if they want to focus the attention and change the narrative a little bit, yeah. coaches will do that. Like I mm. don't read in when coach, when coaches say stuff like that, don't read into it that much. It's really not worth your no. time. They're never going to come. It's like the whole, it's like the whole when a player says they're happy here and then it comes out that they wanted to trade. They've or been something, demanding right? a trade for months. Right. Or... Like, they're never going to come out and say, in the same way that a player is yeah. never going to come out and say, oh, I hate it here. I want out this second. A coach is never going to come out and be like, oh, yeah, our player did a garbage thing yeah. and he should be ashamed of himself. Like, they're just not going to do that. So, never forget, yeah, in, don't in like that. 15 years or 16 years of the salary cap era, the most. Brutal honesty we've ever had from a player or a coach is when Roberto Luongo, in ref reference to uh, discussions of him being traded, he said, my contract sucks. That's, love him, love the, that's the most honest thing that's ever happened from a player when it came to actually discussing like player movements Lou? or whatever. It's so incredible. But of course, sure Maurice is going to take the most boring bland. Yeah, that's my guy. I yeah, back, but bro. I'm 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 sure. Yeah, I'm sure as a as the resident Jets fan, you are yes. uh, you're just like yeah, you know what? Like he like uh, Evan should have had his head up. I, I'm sure that's your, <laughs> yeah. is that your take. Your Evan that was my had that his was head absolutely yeah. my take. No. <laughs> yeah, I saw no. that and I was like, uh, I mean, I think you were I immediately it, I, like he gone. Like you're I like, think yeah, I said gone. it in my um my solo episode. I was like, you know the. The Jets haven't played since last Monday. They're going to be coming completely flat. They're going to look like shit because they haven't played in so long. Uh, Habs are riding this giant wave of momentum from their Toronto comeback game. Like They're going to just steamroll the Jets. I didn't expect that to end the game. And yeah, when I saw the hit, I was like, yeah, Shifley, you're done. Like Your playoffs are completely over. You've put your team at a huge disadvantage because you are going to be suspended, and I would be shocked if you weren't. And sure enough, he's gone four games, which is, I almost want to say it's the Depart Department of Player Safety being like, that's how many games we think the Jets are going to last. Because if they push it to like a game six or game seven, he, he in trouble because Joel Edmondson basically said as much in the post game when he was like, he, we're going to make his life a living hell. In the yeah. next game, which is like, but, oh no, code shit is about to go down if this goes to a game six or seven, which yeah. I, I hate. I, but I, it's, I saw, yeah, I saw somebody say that that should be that Joel Edmondson should be suspended for saying that, 
And yeah. I I saw some people like flip out about that. Like I'm not like I was at first I was kind of like, Ugh, I don't know about that. But like I was like, first of all, you can't you should never say that. You can't say that. Like you just can't. Yeah. That's that. But in a way, you're kind of like maybe not suspended, but like fine at least. Like he does have a point in the sense of like, yeah, you should not if players should not be saying that. That's like premeditated. That's basically it, implying premeditated. I'm going to injure him if he comes back, which is again another eye for an eye. Not good. That doesn't help anybody. Um, I will say this: like, I think you could make an argument for the fact that Shifley should have gotten officially what, like, uh, I guess is what what Nazem Kadri got against the Bruins a couple years ago, where it's like it's a series length suspension. So it's like however long the rest of the series is against the against the Canadians he should be done for um but as far as just like a standard game suspension is I do think like okay four games is understandable I think you could have at least I think you could have been a little bit higher on it I think it could have been a little more but uh the fact that there at least seem to be giving out proper suspensions is good to see um, and, you know, Mark Shifley talked about how he felt it was too long. It was overkill, like not overkill. You didn't say that, but like, uh, I'm, I'm, he, thought, he said it was, exce- he said it was excessive, which it was excessive, which but he wasn't going to fight it. He's yeah. He's right in the sense of it's excessive when you compare it to all the other suspensions that have happened, oh, but yeah. that shouldn't be, that should be normal. What he got mm. should be a normal suspension. That should yeah. be. And I even I think I tweeted yesterday, like normalize having longer suspensions for dangerous hits. Like that should yeah. be P- players should be going into a situation where they do something like that, expecting to get dinged with four games or something with three or four games. Like that should be, guaranteed regardless of who you are what your history is what have you mark shifley i believe doesn't have a history uh doesn't have a a suspension history but he should still get four games for what that kind of hit that was reckless it clearly could have he could have done a lot more damage than luckily jake evans had uh ended up with it seems like at the very least it seems like it's just a, a concussion which is still serious but like it could have been worse um and it it's yeah, it's 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 good that hopefully this becomes the norm. Like it shouldn't be considered. It's considered excessive just because of the precedent set. It should not be as we go forward. Yeah, I agree. It's um, as far as, far as that's. Ser- oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm. I, I was just going to say that I appreciated the fact that Shifley was like, I'm not even gonna. Uh, contest the suspension because he doesn't want to be a distraction for his team. That's admirable enough because like you could have the Kadri situation where it was a blatant attempt to knock out a player who was unsuspecting like a hit. Uh, In his case, I mean, he thinks he was going for the puck. He wasn't, but like, (laughs) because he could be like, I mean, he probably has a case where he could be like, Hey, like, uh, when like when was the last four game suspension for uh, charging? Like this is a bit excessive, and I don't have the history. He could he could theoretically um, try and make that case try and room, make a case, which would be bad it, because yeah, right. But he's smart bad. enough to be like, I'm not going to do that because it's just like whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to be that guy. Which yeah, no, it's the least he could do given the fact that he blatantly tried to injure a kid on his fucking birthday all because he was having a shitty game and that's 
Yeah. Like anyone who's watched the Jets, like obviously I have, as I've spoken about way too much on this program. uh, He always plays with an edge in general. Like he's usually like, you know, in scrums, stuff like that. But that game, it seemed like it wasn't just that he was in every scrum. He was blatantly and obviously pissed off at the end of every scrum. He just came away like he was just playing pissed off the entire night. You could see it when he was on his back check. He didn't even look at the puck. He was just trying to hurt the kid. So at the very least, if he can just be like, yeah, I'm not even going to try and defend my actions, even though I think I uh, was going for the puck. Uh, uh, it was a bit excessive, but I'm not going to fight it, which might just be hockey player for talk for like, yeah, I know I fucked up. Yeah, Which, maybe. And kudos, yeah, I guess. And to kind of put a cap on this, there were I'm not going to I'm not going to we're not going to repeat any of what what this what uh people said, but there were some people like in regards to the whole Shifley having an off night sort of thing who made some uh sh- we'll say uh distasteful suggestions about why that might be. We're not going to yeah. say what they are because they're not things that we should be talking about. Uh, they're not, they're not things that we should be speculating because it is none of our, because it's none of our business when you do that, like do it to say anything about those things. Um, and like, as, as journalists, our job is to report on what happens. You can't just be it, but there are like lines about, you know, there are ethics and lines about, you know, you don't speculate, especially on very serious things. Like some people were doing and some people who are reporters and should know better than to, to to say those kinds of things in public, in a public space, without having any information, any in, any intel to go off of or back that up. Even if they did, in fact, even if you do have intel, those are things you don't talk about and those are things you don't mention because it's yeah. not your business. And like, it, like yeah, don't don't talk about those things. Like there was uh, there was the situation uh, to a in a similar situation earlier this year. Uh, there was somebody, there was a reporter in Philadelphia who mentioned something about Carter Hart's like mental health or something, uh, something about his mental health and it's super out of bounds. Like it's super out of bounds to talk about that stuff. And it's just as out of bounds to do what some people talked about in regards to Mark Shifley, uh, this time, like there, whether or not hit was bad. That does not give you a right to talk about those specific types of things. It does not give right. your. It does not give you the opportunity to start speculating on why this. Uh, speculating on different darker yeah. stuff about why a player might have this. Yeah. Uh, you just have, had a bad game this, this and made night. some and did something stupid. Like that's all yeah. it needs to be. Yeah, and even if it were true, it's none. And even if it were true, and it's we don't think it, and it's it doesn't matter. It's none of your business. You don't. Yeah. You don't. It's absolutely not your. It's not your business to talk about it. So don't. Yeah. So like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyways, um, the what, what, we're what, we're gonna what, oh, sorry. One thing I did want to ask you, um, mm-hmm. as we kind of transition and talking to just about hockey in a hockey stand and a hockey sense, um, Montreal's leading Winnipeg right now, one nothing, uh, in game two. Uh, it's a close game. Not a lot of shots. Playing a much more defensive game. Yeah. Um, as far as the Jets are concerned, yeah, losing Shifley for that long is huge. Um, does it kill their, do you think this kills the series for them? Are they done and are oh, they yeah. done quickly? They're done that quick. They're, they're so fucked. Like even with Connor Hill like, playing as well as he is, like you don't do, think it so? doesn't matter. Like their decor isn't that good to begin with. They basically needed to match goal scoring for goal scoring in order to have a chance. 
without Shifley, they lose like one of their only producers in the playoffs this year. Pierre-Luc Dubois is playing like shit. He has not looked good all season. Paul Stastny is also out with injury. Like their their depth that everyone said like was super deep against the Oilers is getting exposed right now because they don't have they're, good depth at yeah, all. They don't have a lot of depth. No. Yeah. So they're um, they're cooked straight up. Yeah. They're so I think, cooked. I'll say this. I think they still have a bit of a chance here, specifically because a Montreal can't score that much either. They don't have that many score. They they have more scores, but they still really haven't been able to put the puck in the net. And I don't think they're. I, I do not think they they're a very well, they're very good teams not part, not because of the players themselves I think they're coached very weirdly and I don't think they're I think the coaching has has them playing down a level than they should be under the right in the right hands yeah um but also like I mean the Oilers had Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle they didn't win that series and they just didn't win that series by necessarily outscoring the Oilers as much as they shut down a team that had two offensive firepowers uh, who can generally just win games at will, like on their own will. So I would not say they're completely dead here. Like, I think it's possible. The one issue being that their biggest strength is their goaltending in Connor Hellebuck, who, while he had an off night yesterday, even right now, he's right now he's playing well. But the problem is the Canadians do have the cancel out button in Carey Price, who's playing quite well uh, mm-hmm. in his own right, um, really living up to that contract right now, like as far as the Canadians are concerned. So I don't think they're completely cooked, but I, w- I do I will say I think they're I think their odds are slim. The odds are slim, but I don't think they're yeah. completely completely gone. I don't think they're gone. They're- they're not as cooked as the next series we'll get into, which is the Vegas mm-hmm. Colorado season, because Vegas put on the their best performance of the playoffs to lose by one goal to Colorado. In OT, yeah. It took on a bit of a weird call. Their, on a bit of a weird penalty call. Yeah, there. sure enough, but or fair enough. But the fact that it took them playing their best hockey to make it a one goal game is like, oh man, the, I said this in the solo episode, but like it doesn't matter who wins this jets Hab series. They're just going to get slaughtered by oh, Colorado. Because I, I don't think Vegas has it in them to win two, or four out of the next, you know, six. It's yeah, just, it's just yeah. not going to happen. That's I, such I, a big I, ask. Yeah, I will. I will. I will say... Uh, the prospect of Montreal playing Colorado, specifically the, you could call it the Battle of pa- the Patrick Waugh, the Battle of Patrick Waugh, or more accurately, the renewed rivalry of the Nordiques and the Canadians. Yeah. Like, that's kind of cool. That's, that's kinda, fun. If they do, the, the, if, they, if they do, if this does happen, the Avs have to be allowed to wear that Nordiques reverse retro on the road, right? Like they have Ooh. to, they have, they have to allow them. You're gonna tell me, like literally, those jerseys were made specifically to be worn for a game. I would imagine at least one, the their one, what would have been their one road game in Montreal, had the season played as normal. You're telling me that? Come on, the NHL has to give special clearance to let them wear those <laughs> Nordiques jerseys on the road. Come on, you, oh. if you're not, huge missed opportunity. For sure. Um, we're part. I'm partially getting ahead of myself here, but like as far as because you never know. Vegas is a team that could very well come back. 
But, oh man, the Avs are so good. They're such a good team. Like, the fact that, Mi like, Miko Rantanen was their leading goal scorer this year, like their leading point getter, but come on, he is, but I think we all know that he is not their best forward. Like, as great no. as he is, and that's the scary part, is that Rantanen would probably be the best forward on most NHL teams, but here he's only the third, or the fourth, like, the fourth most uh, lethal scorer on the team, uh, depending on who you ask. And that is nuts. Like, that is, it's unreal just how much depth they have. And from a scoring, from a scoring standpoint, Joe Sackick has done an incredible job at building that team up around Nathan McKinnon. And, you know, they have Gabriel, they have Landis Cog, they have Makar, they have Bowen Byram, who's still a rookie and he's only going to get better. Yeah, like, he's not even on their team and he's probably I don't, like, yeah, he's not even playing right now. Like, I don't think he's, so I think he's a healthy gross. scratch right now. Yeah. Uh, they have new hook. Yeah. They have new hook. Oh, like so uh, it is, Unreal. it is, they had give, they gave up Tyson Berry and nope. like, and Alex Kerfoot, like, they I will say of, they lucked out um, a bit when uh, they traded Duchesne for Ottawa's first rounder and it was unprotected and Ottawa completely imploded. So they yeah. got a, like a top five pick. Like that's, that's kind of a freebie, but like, that's kind of, but like you could still but those mess are the it bets up and you take want the wrong take. player. Yeah. Like, people forget like well, the abs had Ryan O'Reilly and Nathan McKinnon and Gabe Landenskog in theoretically in their primes. Like the start yeah. of their primes, and they were dog shit. That's why it's like you can't that was just be like Sackick, I believe. Yeah, or, or uh, I think it was like his just first year when he when he yeah. took over, and they booted Wah out as the coach, and it was like Sackick's like first year, I believe, because he sat on that core that wasn't doing anything, and then he made the moves in the following year. Yeah, and, just, uh, they had the one year with Jared Bednar where it just went completely belly up, and then they yeah, didn't, they didn't. And this is why. This is why, like, I hate when people are just like, oh, the Canucks core, like, it's just going to only go up from here. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, like, don't forget, yes. like, Colorado traded Ryan O'Reilly off of a core that included Landis Gog and Nathan McKinnon to Buffalo. To Buffalo, And who was also on that team when Ryan O'Reilly was there? Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel was on that team. Like, they had, like, the elite of one-two punches of centers. And in it didn't matter. Hands. In the wrong hands, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't like, matter. Like, that's why the Canucks core doesn't really matter if the guy in charge of building around it can't do it. Right. Like, the guys are going to age out because they can't wait too long, and Bo Horvat's going to be a Ryan O'Reilly who gets traded away because they fucked it. Straight yeah. up. Like, that's, that's the risk that they run and ran last year when they decided to not continue the all-in approach that they had for the previous year. Yeah, and when you flip-flop, you run into bad, you run into you run into problems. You have to kind of stick to something. And with the abs, like it just like I mean, the fact that they have done like they've done so well like at even just like making the trades to come to like fill out the roster and even making like taking on some risk to a certain extent. Like um I forget exactly what the who it was they traded off of the their defensive group. I think it was a uh, who uh, they traded some, but they traded someone to Chicago for uh, Brandon Saad, whose name I am completely. Nikita Zadorov, which Nikita they Zadorov, picked up in right. the Ryan O'Reilly trade, which right. is and he was, so funny. And he was pretty good for them for a, quite a while. And they got they traded him, 
brought in eight, like Brandon Saad, who's a little bit of an older guy, who's done very well for them, and then used kind of the room that they had to bring in Devon Taves from the Islanders. Like, they have just done such an incredible job at keeping that team, like, well built. Like, they've... They have gotten to the same level of success as the Knights, if not more, kind of in the opposite way. Like, both of these teams are, like, like regardless of whether Vegas loses this series or not, like, they're a testament to a certain different kind of building uh, roster construction and the way that they've gone about it. Obviously, got a little help, bit of help from expansion draft and other sorts of things, um, being able to accumulate those kinds of assets, but... Both of these teams, what they've done really well is they've done a very good job at being able to build a relatively, like, depth-heavy, like, full of... Two franchises just full of depth, but they got there in different ways. And the Canucks need to learn from teams like that. The fact that the Avalanche... Like, there is basic... Like, there's no team that can really unseat the Avalanche, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know how you feel, but, like, I don't don't think Tampa can do it. I don't think Carolina can do it. I don't think Boston or the Islanders can do it. I... I'm curious at this point if they're going to go 16 and 0 in the Western Conference before <gasps> they run into trouble. Like that's just how it feels to me. They maybe uh, Vegas strip like peels one. I think Vegas uh, is going to win one. I think Vegas yeah, going to win one. I think they'll probably win. Like I feel like I feel like Colorado's probably going to win game 3. Vegas will rally to win one, but I think that's going to probably be it. Because I mean, we can talk about the the two Eastern Conference teams right now as we segue to kind of examine how they like the 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 competition they face. Yeah, the one thing I did want to say, like before we go, is that Philip Grubauer has been awesome for the Avalanche. Literally, my one worry with with this team is that oh my, is that the only Achilles heel for the Avalanche is that Grubauer is a bit injury prone and. Like, um, like that's my the one thing that might unseat them is if Philip Grubauer got hurt, that could undo it very quickly. If you have to go to Devin Dubnik as your starter for the rest of the way, um, right. yeah, Philip Grubauer, that's uh, he's playing very well. Holy, yeah, go ahead, go into the rest. Of, let's go into the rest here. Okay, yeah. So it's like <laughs> the funny thing is like I have not watched the Boston. New York Islander series. Like I'm still on the whole like Islanders. I just don't find them enjoyable to watch. No, not cool. And Boston, I, I mean, they score a lot and, but I just, I don't know. I just, I don't find them fun to watch like that. The no. Eastern conference in general, like doesn't really entertain me in general. Like Tampa Bay is really Tampa Bay is the funnest team to watch. As far as I'm concerned, Carolina, whoa, whoa, Carolina, okay. whoa. but I, I think you love the. I think you like the branding a lot more and like the vibes. They're fun. Ajo's fun. Fun team. Martin, Hell, Martin Nakash is fun. But you're crazy yeah, but if you think they're fun. Come on, come on, buddy, come on, relax. buddy. Relax. Uh, Tampa wow. Bay is, is the fun team in this division. They they run through teams and they make they make victories look so good. Whereas Carolina, like they've they've had to go to war to like that game last night with the overtime winner that was a war to get there whereas like when tampa wins it's just like you're watching a team at its peak you know what i mean like that to me is interesting to watch that's why like i i think it is going to be a tampa bay colorado final and maybe tampa repeats which would be cool but i mean colorado the way they're just running through everybody it's just kind of like like 
Tampa might win two games. <laughs> yeah, there's like no, the like the yeah, the Avalanche are they look so strong and like like un barring unforeseen circumstances of like injuries or like something else, like I don't see what how it's going to take a lot for someone to defeat a healthy fully charged Avalanche team. Tampa might be the one I think that has the best chance of doing it if they get there uh just because they have Andre they have Andre Vasilevsky who's playing very who's playing incredibly right now as well the goaltending in these playoffs has been really good for the from uh for the most part have been pretty darn good I think like there have been a lot of games there have been a lot of situations where I feel like the goaltending has lost teams games like this year like Nedeljkovic had the bit of the weird iffy one in game one but that was his first blip the whole playoffs like he had been doing very well up to that point um and the I I will say that I I almost think the opposite with the lightning like I almost think that they're kind of boring to watch in the sense of they're so strategically well built and like (laughs) that they kind of they're they win a lot of games when they're not, like, the best team on the ice, or they're not the hardest-working group. Like, they're very much the, like, behind the April. Like, the two games in Carolina that they won, I very much was like, Carolina is throwing everything in the kitchen sink at them. And they're, like, they're being outshot to hell, and Vasilevsky is just like, okay, I'm just going to stop every puck you throw at me, and literally you guys will find two shots that work. And I like, and even as we got into like game one of that series, and the Hurricanes just came out flying in that first period of game one. I remember thinking, I remember thinking literally right to myself, "Oh, this is a game where Tampa's going to win, isn't it?" Because like yeah. that, this is very much their thing: is the other team is going to just dominate sometimes, like depending on who you run into. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. the Lightning are can absolutely do the same thing to other teams but yeah there are a lot of cases the Panthers series being a big big example of that where the panthers were the better team for the most part on pay like in most of those games the lightning just found the way to grind it out and win boston i kind of throw into the same category as a team that kind of like that where they win a lot of games where they're just kind of okay we go to work now sort of thing and they just kind of they're like once they decide it's their time to take over they're like okay like, they flip the switch on and they go. Um, I definitely think that... I will say this. I think the Hurricanes are the most interesting team to watch. They play high-flying hockey. They're very good defensively anyway, which is, like, they're they, they're a triple threat. Uh, they got they went back to Peter Morazic for Game 3 after Nedeljkovic had a couple uh, weird nights in the early going, and he did well. He was very good coming back in. Um, and then Ajo, especially Ajo is just in a league of his own. He's incredible. Um, I think the Hurricanes are going to win. I think the Hurricanes are going to win that series. I think they are going to surprise people a little bit more than what they're expecting. Uh, the Boston-New York series, I'm very much in the same boat as you. I do not think they're, I do not think it's that interesting. Um, Tuka Rask, I will say Tuka Rask has been very good. Uh, and again, I like that he gets his, when he gets his due. Uh, Ilya Sorokin and Simeon Verlamov have been both very good for the Islanders as well. Yeah. Um, the goal, it's been a bit, both of these series have been a little bit of a goalie battle. Like, they've been low scoring, I, but the Tampa Bay Carolina series has been much more interesting for the low scoring games they've been getting, whereas Boston, New York is just a snooze because that's yeah. the Islanders. Because that's the Islanders and the Bruins are okay playing that game. They don't mind. Yeah. Uh, they can play the high flying when they want to, but they don't have to, so they're not going to here. 
Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. That's uh, what else are you gonna say on those series? Uh, I guess there's not much you can really say because like the Boston New York one, like it just seems kind of like I think I think realistically either team will probably put up a good fight against the winner of Carolina Tampa Bay. But my mindset is just so like stuck on like Colorado's just been so dominant so far this playoffs that it's hard for me to be like you know, any one of those four is going to like unseat Colorado's dominance because they are making it look so easy when they are on like that first game against Vegas. Like, so I I had had just said, yeah, like straight up. Like I had said uh, the jets were coming off eight days break because of like, just how long they had, how much time had expired since they beat Edmonton. Um, Colorado was coming off of a giant break too because they had swept the Blues and were sitting for a long time waiting for Vegas to finish their seven-game series against Minnesota. And what did they do coming out of an eight-game break or eight-day break? They destroyed Vegas, Smoked making them. mince meat out of them, just toying with them the entire game, start to finish. Like it's it's filthy what they do when they get a lead. Like they do not relent. It is yeah. disgusting what they can it's accomplish. Incredible! Oh my yeah. god, yeah. Like I felt so bad for Robin Leonard in that situation because, like, I, I do not blame Robin Leonard for that game whatsoever. Like, clearly the whole team got outclassed, but I felt bad for him because literally he'd been sitting for a while, and literally, and I don't know why they would think to do this. I understand that Flurry needs a break. But I have no idea why you throw Leonard into game one. Like, that was a bad call. I, I think you go yeah. to him for game two uh, if you want to give Flurry rest. I think you have to give Flurry the first game regardless and then let, let and then give him his night off and let Leonard go in for game number two when they're a little bit more re- prepped and ready. Like, oh, I felt I felt very bad for him in that case. Um, I saw some... I, saw, I, I was with my friend at the time uh, when that game was going on. And she was saying to me, like, oh, I, like, I feel so bad for the other team as it starts to get up with the score. Like, you should, you got to let your foot off the pedal here. And I'm like, I agree with you in minor hockey stance, but the NHL level, no, you bet, I better see you going for it. You better be yeah. looking for 10. Like, if they're, if you're up by 10, I expect, an, I expect you to go for 11. Like, that's how it goes at the NHL, like, at the pro levels, right? I think, yeah. I understand, like, minor hockey, yes, you should be nice to your opponent. You should be a good sport. Yeah. But don't, like, don't score 12 goals and like Selly after like the 11th yeah. or 13th. Like you don't need to yeah, do that. No. When you're a kid instill like it's important to instill good sportsmanship and yeah. everything like that. That's important. But in the but NHL like, playoffs. But at like the pro, in the pro level, no. Yes. Goal differential, things like that matter. Do not let your foot off the pedal. You go, go, go. The Avalanche did that. Now you could, you could make the argument that doing so led to the absolute garbage shenanigans we got at the end of that game uh, because yeah. the Knights all suddenly were like, hey, well, we're out of this game. Better start injuring some people. Yep. Better uh, try and take people out for the next game. <laughs> and again, that's, and again, like, if you want a title, and we can tie this back, frankly, a little bit to the Shifley talk, is like the whole where he was talking about how it seemed excessive. How many games did Ryan Reeves get for, I'm sorry, cross checking the goaltender? Then punching a guy while he's down, like punching yep. Ryan Graves in the face, putting his knee on his neck, and then punch and pulling out his hair. Literally. Yeah. He got what? Sorry, two games? Was that? Like he got two games? Garbage. Like that's bullshit. 
Like, come yeah. on. That should have been a... Like, your, your playoffs should be over for that. Like, you shouldn't be able to come back for that sort of thing. Like, that's garbage. And yeah. that, again, that's in the sense of, like... That comes back in the whole sense of, like, are they fav- Like, are they giving enforcers benefit of the debt like are they giving enforcers a lighter punishment than superstars which is absolutely yeah <laughs> the wrong way to be handling that and but i don't want to get mad about this all over again <laughs> either way yeah the avalanche are, are a tough out and it was just like a master class of how good they are it's going to be interesting to see if they can pull that same thing off with uh, when they don't have last change and when they don't uh they aren't going to necessarily always have the matchup they want uh, in these two games in Vegas, but I don't, yeah, I don't see any way out of here where they're not holding the cup, barring unforeseen, st- knock on wood, barring anything else, right? Right. It's, uh, yeah, because, man, the, we even talk, really talk about their whole Reeves thing, because, like, the whole pulling out, like, a chunk of hair thing, like, that's just so insane. Like, And that was, like, that flew under the radar. Yeah. <laughs> All anyone talked about was just how badly they got destroyed that you, like, completely forget, like, like Reeves spent the final like minute or two minutes of the game or whatever that was. Sorry, twenty Literally minutes trying, to hurt, trying, trying to hurt people for the purposes of maybe taking guys out by the next game. Like just absolute clown shit. But nobody cared because all they cared about was there's like, oh Reeves gonna get suspended, doesn't matter. But you know what's crazy? They fucking killed him seven to one. That's yeah. unreal. It's like, yeah, that's how good they are. They don't care yeah. that, that some guy tried to assault their players. Because they yeah. destroyed them where it actually yeah. matters on the score sheet. And yeah. they're up 2 nothing in the series. The other couple series are all pretty close, really tight. Uh, yeah. Carolina, Tampa Bay, they're 2-1 really like for Carolina. Game. It is like a playoff game. It's like a playoff series out there. It's like a playoff game. Uh, Boston, they're up 2-1. Colorado yeah. up 2 nothing, And now it looks like Winnipeg, Habs. Habs are about to go up 2 nothing. They are currently up like. one nothing on the score chart with eight minutes left in the third. Still that time. That one's pretty. Yeah. Still well, time, without Shifley, that's a, that's a big ask. Maybe they score yeah. late, but Ehler, Ehlers can take control of games when he wants to. Like it's he it's is not, very good. Yes. He is very good. Like it's an, it's not entirely possible that he doesn't just you know will them to victory. Um, yeah. and and I guess the one last thing I wanted to ask you about because we didn't get we didn't get any questions this week, so I wanted to ask kind of a question that normally I think maybe this would be kind of like something that we do on like the uh on the on the um the off the post shows but mm-hmm. i wanted to ask you because uh uh i don't know if you've again you mentioned you haven't watched any of the islanders uh bruins games really but yeah. the they have been like i have seen some clips of, like nassau coliseum uh, the islanders are playing like their games there like just yeah the, nearly a full house i believe uh, they have at least they have like fully vaccinated sections they have i think they have social distance mm. sections and fully vaccinated sections so they have a little bit of both going yeah. on um and, like, this is the, the last time they'll play there before they move into their new Belmont Arena, which looks really cool. Um, and they're finally, at, for the second time, they're leaving for the second time, their fe- their Farewell season at Nassau for the second time in, like, five years after the whole Brooklyn mess. Um, I wanted to ask you the question, like, it, it, let's say every arena is, like, let's say every arena bes- was closing in, like, the next, I don't know, five years. Let's say every <laughs> arena closed in the next, like, half decade. That's currently in the NHL, um, bar, with the exception being like some of like the newest ones. Okay. Yeah. If there were, if there were, like, what are some of the older venues in the NHL 
that you would want to visit most before they closed with like some obvious exceptions like for example mm. like i would say for example like madison square gardens out of the picture because obviously they're never moving like yeah. they would never you, that's you never can't, there's nowhere to move in new york so they're never leaving um so and they just did like billions of dollars of ex- renos on it so they're not yeah. moving so like out of the arenas that could potentially see an end date what would you pick where would you want to go most well sorry my cat is that's okay just We're begging for attention here We're um, a pro pets podcast as we are everybody pro knows yeah um put colson got a dog i believe or yes has he did a, dog. a very teeny tiny dog and it's very cute very cute um I, I, it sucks because I actually wouldn't have minded going, like, basically, the times that I have watched the Islanders Boston series, all I've noticed is just how raucous the crowd is. Mm-hmm. They'll still be as raucous in their new arena, like, it's going to be whatever, but it would have been nice to, like, have been in, like, any of the Islanders, like, old arenas, really. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, because the crowd's always, like, pretty nuts. Uh, the Habs Arena, that's not going anywhere, but, like, I, I just, like, in general, like, I really want to see like a Habs game live in their arena. I've never yeah. been. I don't think I've ever been to any other arenas to watch oh, hockey. Really? I don't think wow. so. I'm trying to think if I have. I mean, that's not too. Sur- I mean, I've only been to two, so that's actually not. That's not that surprising. Like, it's, <laughs> You're dub- you've doubled my efforts. Yes, I've doubled your efforts by just happening to have lived in two places that kind of had arena that had NHL arenas nearby. Yeah. Um, I guess for me. I think yeah, Bell Center is one of them for sure. Uh, it's you know I I feel like it's the closest thing you could get to like say, you know how like you know how everyone says like you you haven't experienced soccer until you've like seen an English Premier League game. Yeah, in, yeah. in like you've been to you've been to the UK. You've been to Wembley or where? Yeah, exactly. Gone. Like or any of like like Trafford, like like any of those old stadiums there like you haven't experienced soccer until you've seen it in europe or like one of those like i feel like you haven't like i almost feel like that's the same way like you haven't experienced hockey at its like purest form until you've seen like a game like a canadians game in montreal or a leafs game in toronto like that like i i think vancouver's getting close there but i feel like this is very much an original six kind of thing or like sort of thing uh where it's like boston or new york or something Bell Center would be up there for that very reason. I feel like that's in itself is just a, a different experience all mm-hmm. its own, um, in its own just stratosphere. Um, and I feel, I guess, if I had to pick another, if I were going to pick kind of like a truly older venue, like I would say, and I guess this this is a good one to pick because it is there is guaranteed to be closing pretty soon. I would say the Saddle Dome in Calgary, uh, not because it's like. It's not necessarily the most, um, like, like fabled stadium in the yeah. NHL or anything. And, you know, Calgary is not exactly, like, like, necessarily the most glamorous spot in the NHL you could go to. But I do think that the Saddle Dome is one of the few buildings left that's still kind of in that different, is still in that vein of, this is a classic hockey building. Like... Any of the, like, all the luxury options that, like, all the luxury suites and, like, loge boxes and, like, all of the crazy new Disneyland amenities that lots of arenas have nowadays. Like, <laughs> the Saddle Dome does not have those things. It is very much, it was a building It is built. shaped like a saddle and that's yeah. all there is to it's it. It's kind of cool. Like, like, 
I, I literally was asking, like, was thinking to myself, when they build the new building, it has to be, the roof has to be saddle-shaped, right? Like, they have to redo that, find a way to redo that, don't they? Um, it'll be something it else. Like, yeah, it'll be something else. It'll be something normal. It'll be a normal look. It'll be, look like every other arena that you get. The Saddle Dome is very much one of the, <laughs> is, I would argue, is the last building that's very much in that realm of, this is as close as you would get to, say, seeing a Canucks game at the Coliseum. Or going to, like, Maple Leaf Gardens or the, the Montreal Forum or something like that, right? Like, one of those yeah. – or the Boston Garden. Like, one of those, like, truly old buildings that didn't have – that was literally just, hey, this is a slab of concrete we put seats in that's really yeah. loud. Uh, what's that? You want sushi? Get the hell out of here. Yeah. We don't Get have that. The hell here, out of here. There are these old hot dog rollers from like the nineties. Then that's all we got. Get out, take it and leave it. Like yeah. that's, those are like, those are gone once the saddle dome leaves. So I would say that would be my pick out of the old ones. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Um, with that, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of the crease cast episode number 119 i don't know how many it's been featuring me but it's been a lot they've been all wonderful yeah we are going to uh hit you guys with uh another off the post we're gonna record that tomorrow so if you are listening to this right now which would be saturday morning send us your questions we'll try and answer them on the off the post episode yeah, um, we talk about all sorts of random stuff on there. We sure do. Okay, for only five bucks my a month is just on our, freaking yeah. the fuck out here. Um, yeah, five don't forget to follow us on, on YouTube or on our Patreon. We have dollar and five dollar tiers where we post exclusive content. Um, Lachlan, where can the fine folks find you on social media avenues everywhere? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Lock in the Crease. And you can find my writing on uh, lockinthecrease.com. I have articles that go up sometimes. Uh, and uh, yeah, those are, I'm going to be, I'm, I have some ideas for like what I'm going to do during the off season, some like new kind of things, uh, some, some regular writing, but also like some new, we're going to try some new stuff and uh, just see what people like. And uh, we'll do some, uh, some cool stuff this, uh, this summer. Um, well, I've got all this extra free time right now. Cody, oh, yeah. where can they find you? Uh, the fine folks can find me at Cody Sievertson on Twitter and on the CometsHarvest.com. I believe I'm on Instagram, but I don't really use it that much. Um, but yeah, give us a follow. Give us uh, some ratings. Give us some reviews. We appreciate all of them. Yes. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.